Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is Sahil Gupta. He's the co-founder and uh, product lead of uh, Soundscript, Sound, S-K-R-I-T. The website is soundscript.ca. So Sahil, how are you today? I'm doing great, Richard. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah. Well, tell me about Soundscript. What's the premise of the company? Sure, sure. Um, so at Soundscript, we're essentially developing a new type of microphone um, that's inherently directional. So we've seen the emergence of a, a variety of different sorts of voice interfaces, uh, whether it be you know Siri on your your smartphone or now you know the Amazon Echo and all these smart speaker devices that are showing up around the home, um, and you know all these solutions traditionally need to use arrays of of many microphones to essentially listen into a specific direction and, and block out the surrounding noise. Um, and we've developed sort of a new microphone technology that can achieve this with just a single microphone. So in just a single sort of chip, we can listen into a specific direction and block out the surrounding noise. And so we are essentially reducing the footprint of um, existing solutions and also preserving the audio quality. So when you start using a lot of different microphones and, and putting processing on top of it, um, you really degrade the audio quality. And so we're sort of, um, you know, preserving that preserving that audio quality and, and reducing that footprint and cost. So um, that's interesting. What, so the microphone has to first maybe lock on to a particular sound signature, and then it can what continually search for that, and uh, when it finds it, just, I guess, filter out all the other noise besides it? Is that how it works, or, or how does it work? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you imagine, like, um, imagine I was holding a string between two of my hands. If I, if I blew across that string it's going to vibrate and it's going to move. But if I blew sort of parallel to that string, it won't move at all. So in that sense, you can get something that only responds to sound coming in one direction. Now, um, what, what's really neat is that we use these nano structures, these nano strings that we can stack on top of each other. So imagine taking that same string and stacking multiple strings on top that are oriented in different directions. So sort of in a single package, you can get multiple outputs based on uh, the direction of the incoming sound. And then by adding sort of a software layer on top of that, you can either sort of, you know, add up all the sound in your environment if you want to get sort of an omnidirectional response or kind of mix and match um, different sounds in your environment depending on your application. So what, what led you to, uh, what led the founders to create the, this company and this premise? Like what was the need that you see that needs to be fulfilled? Yeah, um, so, you know, speech recognition works really well right now. Um, but once you start adding noise or multiple people in a room, um, it, it really degrades. So I, you know, I don't know if you have like an Amazon Echo at home or something, but if the TV's playing or you know you have kids or something in a different room that are that are playing around, um, it, it it can get kind of frustrating to use these devices because you kind of have to keep saying Alexa, 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 and and it um it it really struggles to kind of tell when you're talking. Um, Beyond that, you know, voice is sort of making its way into everything. So, um, you know, now it's sort of um, in, in the automotive sector, people are looking a lot more at the user experience. Um, voice is the number one most complained about feature um, in automotive vehicles. 
Um, there you have an environment that's super noisy because the engine of the car, all the all the noise coming from the road, and so um, it really degrades that experience. Um, and you know, those are just a couple of applications. You know, even with virtual conferencing now, um, people want to be able to sort of spatialize their sound and and um, give you better audio quality when you have a lot of people in a room that might be talking on the side and and whatnot. And so there's a lot of different applications that I think voice is is, is becoming really an important factor for. Um, and the solution right now. Um, I, I think kind of falls short a little bit. Um, you know, like I said, the, the footprints are kind of big, um, and, and really when I want to scale these these devices down um, to, to smaller sizes, like for your phone or an Echo, um, they, they really degrade in quality once, once I try to make, you know, once I try to scale it down and, and really fit it into these consumer devices. Well, why, okay, interesting. Um, why do they degrade in quality if you try to scale them down and you know, what is the current state of the art that is not your technology? What does it look like? Is it an array of a whole bunch of little microphones packed together that interfere somehow? Yeah, yeah. So so the, the state of the art right now would be sort of like two microphones um, that pick up sound coming from everywhere and you use some software. Um, you know, if I can get a little technical on you, I guess, um, when, you, when you drop your frequency, um, the, the, the pressure difference between sort of your two microphones um, gets smaller and smaller. So the lower frequency I go, so more bass type sounds, um, the smaller that pressure gradient gets. And that pressure gradient is really what drives the membrane. So you have, you have a mechanical element that moves in response to the sound, and that force that drives it begins dropping off significantly as you, as you drop that frequency. So if you were to actually listen to the audio of a, of a traditional directional microphone that, that's small, um, it, it can sound often quite tingy because you're missing out on a lot of that low-frequency sound. Um, the human voice, they say the fundamental frequency of the human voice can get to be as low as 70 or 80 hertz. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of information in that low-frequency range that you're not picking up on. And so um, what we're doing, it, it's sort of um, it, it's fundamentally measuring a, a different aspect of the incoming sound. We're not measuring the pressure of the incoming sound. We're measuring um, something called the, the particle velocity. Um, so it's kind of like more of like the air flow. And instead of sort of like if you imagined a big wall and you had a sound coming at it, you kind of have this pressure force which is pushing it. What we have is more of a string where air kind of flows around that string. And it's that air flow around it that makes it move. And, and that air flow doesn't have these same, isn't subject to sort of these same limitations um, that you get when you're trying to measure pressure. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. That's really interesting. I remember when you know, I was younger, people would tell me that yeah, bass sounds are, are everywhere and higher pitch sounds are more directional in nature anyway to our ears. So it reminds me of that. Yeah, yeah. And then the lower I want, if I want a directional solution that can actually cut out some of the bass sounds, I need to make my microphone bigger and bigger. It's sort of fundamental to the wavelength. So, um, sure. you know, we, we licensed this technology actually from a university um, over in upstate New York, um, where the professor had been looking into the auditory system of, of small insects. Um, and what he found was that, you know, um, right now the way we develop microphones, it's sort of similar to like the human human hearing system, right? We have two really big pressure-based microphones, um, our ears, which are, are very big and they're spaced very far apart, you know, on either side of our head. And we try to take that same principle and we try to shrink it down into something like our phone, um, and then you start getting all these weird effects. And what he found is actually uh, when you look at the auditory system of a lot of small insects like spiders, crickets, um, some, sometimes the flies and things like that, 
they actually use the hairs on their body. So it's not sort of like a traditional ear like, like a person, but it's actually the hairs on their body. And they sense the air that's coming across that hair, and they're able to tell when they have uh, predators approaching with very high directional accuracy and from very far ranges relative to their size. And so sort of inspired that's by that really idea, cool. he kind of developed this. Very interesting. Oh, I'm glad you're able to explain some detail about it without worrying about giving away proprietary info. It's rare yeah, I mean, you can get that, so that's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of that work is um, it's published online, um, and it's also kind of protected with, with IP and whatnot. Um, I, I do find the story to be to be uh, to be quite interesting. Um, you know, it actually some of the work originated from a bioacoustics lab, where they're actually looking at how spider there, there's a there's a, a jumping spider, um, and its predator is a wasp, and it can detect a wasp from meters away with very high directional accuracy. And as soon as the wa uh, wasp gets close, it just freezes up and it stops moving. And what they found is it was actually the hair on the kneecaps of the spider. Um, that they they use to uh, to to determine where the wasp was. Oh, very cool. Well, the hair on my kneecaps doesn't do anything like that. <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> well, so um, so how far along are you with the uh, with the design? Is this product been used for various applications, or or is it still experimental? It, it's super early stage. So we sort of have um, uh, a university prototype, kind of kind of still at that level. Um, you know, we, we, we sort of have an initial demo that we've shown people where essentially we can have two people talking to our microphone at the same time and we can simultaneously transcribe the speech of both people. Um, and we do that all in hardware without any, you know, advanced uh, software, AI or anything like that, um, like some people are doing. Um, and now we're really fabricating um, a set of like MEMS chips that could actually fit into something like your phone. Um, so the current prototype, you know, is a little bit smaller than my hand, and now we're going um, to something about the size of, of three millimeters by three millimeters, so sort of smaller than your fingernail. That's really cool. So this will be on board on smartphones, you think, and uh, it'll be in all kinds of devices in the near future? Uh, the end goal is the smartphone. Obviously, it's going to take a bit of time to get there. Um, I think applications like uh, conferencing, whether it would be, you know, now there's some people who are working on like natural language processing where it's um, essentially trying to summarize and take meeting notes of, uh, of, of what's being said and, and sort of the discussion. And you could imagine using something like this where size may not be a huge constraint, um, but you could still separate out everybody in the meeting room and pairing that up with some natural language processing to kind of summarize what was being said. I think applications like that could be interesting early on, things like the smart home devices as well. Um, but eventually, yeah, we do want to get to the smartphone because that's where most of the microphones are sold to. Um, and, and, you know, one, one sort of analogy I, I really like for the smartphone is, you know, right now with my video, I can zoom in and out of my camera, right, when I'm, when I'm taking a video. Um, why can't we do that with audio? Um, you know, I, I, I love music. I've, I've been playing uh, the drums my whole life. And sometimes I look back at some audio recordings of a, of a gig that we had and you listen to it. And, if you know, we used to... Uh, um, perform over at this bar uh, near my school and you could just hear all the crowd and stuff talking and all the side conversations and, and the actual music itself you could hardly hear over all the noise in the crowd but you can imagine when you're taking that video and you're zooming into the band or whatever you're really listening to um, that the audio could kind of zoom in as well and, and block out that surrounding noise I think something well, like that application is yeah I, know, I think that's really cool and I think this this is a great application I guess you know I try not to be negative but I worry about the surveillance aspect of it, you know, like uh, 
that can be used, let's say, um, you know, when someone's speaking, a public figure to listen to the crowd all at once, literally, and to hear chatter and, and for like surveillance purposes, you know, it could be used in a public place and literally pick up all kinds of conversations that normally wouldn't be heard. You, any implications there, any thought or have you been approached? Do you think you may be approached by, uh, you know, a government or so or an organization that wants to use it for purposes that you may think are nefarious? Yeah, so, you know, um, that, that's definitely a concern. Um, you know, one thing I will say, I think with, you know, that sort of can be the case with, with a lot of really new and, and great technology where, you know, there's a good side of it and then sometimes kind of people take it for, for their own, I guess, agenda or use cases. Um, yeah, we, we did have somebody from uh, the government approach us just to kind of see where we were at and things like that. And you could imagine using it to kind of listen into people. Um, I know that's one big skepticism or, or um, I should say, um, barrier to adoption that people have for devices, even like the Echo, right, um, where people don't yeah. want, you know, talk about the always listening devices in your smart home. Um, you know, they don't want somebody listening to them all the time. Um, I mean, stuff like that, if it's going to happen, I, I kind of feel like it's it's going to happen. Um, you know, what we're looking at isn't so much on, on, on that type of application, but more the consumer application and, and the user experience of it. Um, but yeah, it's going to take your technology, I guess, and, and kind of repurpose it for, for their own agenda. Um, well, I and mean, even people could always listen back, too. So if someone's going to listen to you, you can listen back to them. <laughs> it could be used. Both ways. Sure. So it's just something that, uh, you know, came to my thoughts. So I wanted to bring it up. And it's something that you may have to deal with a lot or hopefully not very much. I know you want to use it for good reasons. But, you know, like you we said, all technology can be used in different ways. We haven't had um, that concern too much, I guess, from people that we talk to. Granted, um, you know, we're more of a B2B play than, than to the consumer itself. Um, you know, but... When I think about all the other things that are happening around, like your home, for example, too, I mean, there's now people um, using, like, Wi-Fi or existing cameras around your home, and, and, and you know, you can get a lot of information um, from from those types of signals as well. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of ways that, that privacy can definitely become an issue. Um, but it's not something, you know, I, I think also just the fact that we're quite early in what we're doing, it's not necessarily a concern that's been brought up too much to us at this point. Yeah, well, let's move into other more interesting stuff. What yeah, about no hearing things that you've never heard before? Um, I don't know when this would occur, but if you're listening to recordings using your microphone set versus traditional ones, I bet you that you'll hear things you've never heard before. I don't know what they are, but there'll be background noises or other noises that are not present. So, I mean, for instance, let's say you listen to a, a, a machine run, like a pump or some other kind of machine. I sure. bet that there'll be a diagnostic aspect to this where your microphone, because it picks up sound differently or more finely, that you'll be able to diagnose things. Let's say, um, again, a machine, if it's running right or not, or yeah. some other background noise, you'll be able to tell something or a person's voice, you'll be able to tell more of what's going on because you can analyze it differently, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So on the, the machine example, I mean, people are already doing this to some extent where they're using really big arrays of microphones to listen in to uh, different machines. Like let's say I'm designing a new powertrain or something like or an engine for a car. I want to make it as quiet as possible. So when you want to go and test that, um, you know, you could imagine using a microphone array to actually localize 
where certain sounds are coming from, um, and then use that to actually improve your design and, and kind of use that as like a feedback loop. Um, you know, I think where we would come into play here is really trying to reduce the size of those arrays, which could be really costly, and also try to give you a little bit of a better precision on, on, on where those sounds are coming from. Um, I think with autonomous vehicles, it's kind of interesting too, right? Because um, what happens when there's no one in the car? Who's listening to the car? Um, or, you know, even, even if you do have people in the car itself, you can imagine using something like this to tell you, you know, not just listen into what exactly the sound is, but where it's coming from, right? So, you know, you might be in a car and you hear some sort of squeak or rattle that's a little bit concerning. And, you know, the microphone could tell you, is it coming from the passenger seat of the car or is it coming from the engine? You know, if it was coming from the passenger seat, maybe you could ignore it. Um, but if it's coming from the engine, you might want to get that checked out sooner than later before it becomes a bigger problem. Um, so I yeah, definitely the old that knocking, knocking sound in the engine type thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and that's sort of one angle on that side. But I think, you know, more on the consumer space, um, uh, you know, I don't know if you've been following anything about, like, sort of the hearable devices that have been coming out now. Um, Google, they came out with sort of the Pixel Buds, which uh, can translate what somebody's saying to you um, and then, you know, into your own native language and, and, and vice versa, right? So you can actually have a discussion with people who, who might not speak English, for example. Or um, there's one startup, Doppler Labs, um, which is looking at making hearables that could actually kind of fuse um, sort of the outside sounds with what you're listening to with your music. Um, so, you know, like as a simple use case, let's say I'm, I'm blasting music on my headphones or, or my, my earphones and I'm crossing the street and there's like a siren or an ambulance that's coming really fast. Well, um, you know, what you can imagine using this to essentially um, reduce the volume of your music and then boost up the volume of that of that siren or that, that incoming car, right? So it kind of give you more situational awareness and kind of make that experience a little bit more blended, I guess. That's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. I thought that they would take the sound of the siren and, and make it part of the music you're listening to. <laughs> <laughs> but it's more uh, useful to do what you're saying. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and even beyond the sound itself, um, I, th I think the whole hearable space is interesting, too, because, like, um, people are putting biometric sensors into uh, into hearable devices as well. Um, I, to be honest, I don't know how mature this technology is right now, but I have talked to some people more more at a research standpoint who are looking at putting, like, um, electrodes on onto your, your hearing devices, right? So it could actually tell... Um, what your your where your attention is, right? So imagine I'm visiting a new city, um, and you know that they have sort of those walking tours or those bus tours with the audio kit. But now imagine if you could personally like you could you could tailor each of those experiences based on the specific person and where they're looking at. So mm. you could actually get some feedback. Oh, they're looking at this structure here. Let me actually tailor the audio and 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 um, sort of that tour and experience. To, to what really interests them, right? Instead of just having the same thing for everybody. Yeah, that's really cool. Huh. Yeah. I like this. As I get more into it, I can think of more and more uses, and you're telling me more and more uses for it. It's really cool, really cool technology. Yeah, and, and, and you know, those are, I guess, like um, a little bit more more fun applications, but the, uh, the, the research itself was funded by the National Institute of Health um, for hearing aids. So, so one of the biggest complaints of hearing aid users is that um, they can't, they, they don't work well in noisy environments. 
Um, actually, it was kind of funny when I when I released the website. I never expected it, but I got a couple calls from people whose parents were using hearing aids, and you know they were kind of telling me how um, something like this could really really um, change their life because. Right now, they can't even go out into noisy restaurants and, and bring their parents out into to those types of noisy settings because um, huh. it just kind of amplifies everything, right, around you. And so you don't know what, what somebody's saying that you're actually trying to converse with. And part of the reason is that you're taking, again, like two of those pressure-based microphones, putting them really close together because you want to make your hearing aid really small, and they're just not very good at rejecting noise and, and kind of picking out that sound that you want. I wonder how this um, this will interact with white noise. If there's a use to amplify it or produce it, you know, using this system or filter it out, it'll be interesting. I, you know, like I'm, you know, I have a fan on in the background, for instance. So that's what brought it to mind. Any thoughts there? Yeah, yeah, you could definitely, um, in, in software, kind of filter that out, right? Um, so especially noises that that aren't moving, like when you have a person that's moving around and speech, which you know, the spectrum, I guess, of the speech really changes. Um, it comes. It, it, it's a bit more difficult to kind of filter out. But if you have something like um, a fan, it's always in the same place. Um, it's very constant and it's very predictable. Um, so yeah, that you could definitely you could definitely filter that out. I think devices already like the the Amazon Echo and Google Home and, and smart speaker devices like that. They they do that to some extent already. Okay, very interesting. So what's the uh, what's the rollout plan? When do you think that uh, your device will be in use and where will it go first and when? Yeah, so um, the hope is sort of to have like a, a product-ready type device maybe by the end of next year, uh, mid to late ne- uh, 2019. Um, you know, and really what we're looking at is sort of like OEM plays. And so, you know, hopefully we can get that to the point where we can actually get sort of a, a design in with, with an OEM. And then, you know, from there, hopefully over the next two years, um you know, I, I guess would be a sort of typical product cycle for consumer electronics, try to get that actually integrated into a device. Um, so, you know, it could be two, three years out, I guess, before it actually gets into a, a consumer device itself. Yeah, but it'll be soon. So it's it's definitely coming soon, which is good. Yeah, yeah. That's well, the hope. Cool. Yeah, what's the best way for, for listeners to uh, get in contact, ask questions, collaborate, propose solutions, that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're welcome to check out our website right now. There's not a lot of information on it, but we're we're revamping it right now, hopefully to give a bit more information. Um, or, you know, I'm, I always love talking to people who are um, interested in the tech just to kind of see, uh, you know, where their interests lie. And, you know, sometimes um, there's sort of a limited amount of use cases, I guess I can think for it. I'm sure other people have great ideas for it, too. Um, you know, so, so my email, it's just my first dot last name, Sahil, S-A-H-I-L dot gupta g-u-p-t-a at sanskrit.ca um so you know my, my email's on the website and everything too and and if you know anyone wants to learn more and reach out um always happy to talk more about it that's great well Sahil, thanks for coming on the podcast and uh, i love what you're doing it's really interesting thank you so much richard i really appreciate it you've been listening to almost here around the corner future technology podcast with richard jacobs subscribe to this podcast post to review to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.